crazy world we live in, when people use the word geek, it can create certain impressions. In reality, geek culture has never been more mainstream. Let's learn about the real people behind the stereotype. I'm your super dummy Paul. This is Geek. My name's Andrew. I have a YouTube channel called Angry Andy Reviews, where I uh, review movies mainly. But I've also ventured into uh, action figure unboxings and some collectible unboxings as well. Mainly Star Wars lightsabers. But I have unboxed uh, some Marvel Infinity Gauntlets and such. I only started it um, about 18 months ago. Uh, Yeah, about 18 months, two years. And I originally started with um, just a normal Facebook page and that was only really at the behest of um, you know, some of my friends just saying, well, stop talking to us about movies and reviewing them to us. Why don't you put them on some paper and you know, let other people read them? And um, I hadn't really considered doing it you know, like properly, formally in that kind of way. Um, but yeah, I just started doing it one day and then over the course of like six, eight months, that's when finally got into you know creating a youtube channel spending a whole week just figuring out what the hell i was doing as well which was a bit of a nightmare because i hadn't tried anything like that before i'd never recorded myself i had to buy all the equipment the camera microphone and all that and i basically just dived into it with nothing apart from the scripts that i'd written that i would put on the uh the facebook page as the reviews and uh yeah it was a bit like some of my earlier stuff is a bit choppy a bit choppy to say the least. I'm just in a, a very plain room because I think I was moving at the time. Um, yeah, I think I was. I think I was just literally just packing up to move. So you can just see over the course of three or four videos, just all my stuff start to disappear off the wall. So there's just this bare wall. So it doesn't really make any sense, really. Like you see other channels where they slowly build up like a collection of stuff behind and whatever. And I was doing it in reverse. Um, but yeah, that sort of building up of collections behind you on 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 a on a video has sort of taken place in this last year under lockdown um yeah that's where it all really kind of started just encouragement from other people you know especially um dan of spider dan and secret balls he was just like egging me on to just get on with it just get it done and then once i've started the youtube channel i've been trying to convince him to get on youtube as well you know to promote some of his stuff what about yourself sort of going the other way? Have you ever considered doing podcasting or anything? Or No, I've, um, somebody mentioned me doing podcasting quite recently. I don't know whether it was Tony or Jack. Um, um, and I've never, re- never really thought about it. Um, I don't like to, I don't like the idea of stretching myself too much because the way I do uh, my videos, especially now, is I try to edit in video clips and whatever, and that takes up a good chunk of my time. And I like being able to do that. I like spending time on that and taking my time with that. And I think just if I was to spread myself thin across a podcast, it might take away some of the the creativity I'm putting into these videos now. I don't know whether that's just my own sort of like worry of making mistakes or anything, but a lot of these guys that um, I seem to have latched onto in this, this community on Twitter um, like through the back door, I've become like this this 
weird small angry kid that latches onto this bigger group of people and just leans round and heckles abuse and uh, shouts mischief and is just angry at everything. I seem to be that 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 kind of little attachment. And I think with that in mind, I don't want to sort of like go, hey, I'm doing a podcast now and you know, feel like I'm, you know, trying to muscle in that way. I'm quite happy just to be on that little periphery as like an extension of what all these other guys are doing. And um you know, I'm still playing catch up with listening to all their stuff as well. So I want to keep it like that. I'm quite happy to be in that little corner while all this other great stuff is going on. Uh, I mean, most of my videos are only what, five, ten minutes long at most. And I've sort of narrowed it down how, how to do it um, so that I'm not editing, you know, constantly small three four second clips i kind of bunch a load of clips together now and copy and paste them uh based on you know what it is i'm saying and whether it fits in the narrative of the, of the review um but yeah i started off just basically putting pictures in here and there and it was just that was sort of like the beginning of the lesson really is how do i get a picture to stay on here for five seconds or ten seconds and then it sort of evolved into using clips and then getting a strike from youtube saying you can't use this clip I'm realizing, okay, I've got to mute the clip. I've got to trim it down so I'm not, you know, breaching any copyright laws or anything like that. So it's been a bit of a learning curve, really. You know, I'm still kind of learning as well in that regard. That's that's the, the weird thing with YouTube and I think even with Twitch, it's so like Twitch streaming at the minute, anything creative you do on Twitch, if you have a three-second three second clip of a song, you will be taken down. Yet there are other much larger streamers that seem to get away with it. I don't know. It's it's a weird kind of ecosystem where big um, sort of big streamers and big creators are kind of protected, and us little guys are still trying to fight the corner, going, "Hey, we're 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 not doing anything wrong. We're doing exactly what they're doing." But you know, help us out a little bit. I got um, I got a a mark against me for a sort of like a. A positive commentary I did on uh, Total Recall with Arnold Schwarzenegger and basically I, I'd spent hours, rough, probably about 36 hours in total editing this editing this massive video out and making sure everything was right, everything was correct and I got a takedown from um, like a copyright holder and I fought it three times and they still won't let it go so that video is kind of lost to the ether. Still up there, but you know, it's not like I make any money from it either. I don't make any money from them whatsoever. It's just literally just a, a positive creative output, and yet they still want to hound you for it. So it's, it can be a bit demoralising when things like that happen. But it's just rolling with it, I guess. I've recently just um, started a new career, and they don't really like you telling people on social media is what it is that you're doing um all i can say is that it's very much a, a, a public focused job and it's taking up a lot of my time at the minute um but i'm very proud of it maybe that'll give it away in some regard i don't know but away from away from geekdom which does actually consume my life pretty much every single day um i'm a very very simple guy i go to the gym i go for a run I walk my ridiculously oversized dog and uh tend to just take it easy. I don't really I don't really do much that's crazy or outside the box or anything like that. 
just a, a very simple man in that regard. But yeah, um, I used to work in the in the pub sector before taking on my current uh, career, and went through a lot of crazy things there. I met a lot of crazy people with sort of like you know a, a like-minded thing in terms of movies and you know geek talk um and that kind of helped me through some of like even the most toughest times uh working in a ridiculously uh low staffed high expectation high output uh, pub job again for a, a big company which i'm not going to mention because uh yeah he told me to go and work at tesco's at lockdown um but anyway those kind of things like the job and uh what I do outside of that I try not to blend them together too much I like like in my friend circle I like you know being able to discuss movies all the time and things like that um and with this current job that I've just started they are kind of like you know keep your personality and all that but just rein it in a little bit uh be ultra professional so I can't see myself running around and uh uh, performing Arnold Schwarzenegger quotes in front of my peers or my colleagues, whereas I used to be able to in the, in the pub sector. So maybe once I've broken the ice and been in it a couple of years, maybe I'll be able to let it let myself go a little bit in that regard again. But yeah, it's just um, it's such a strange world that I've I've uh, taken up at the minute. So still finding my feet <laughs> in this role. I'm uh, it's, it's really hard not to like tell you exactly what I'm doing. But I'm just very conscious of what they continuously drum into our heads about keeping like your, your private life secure and things like that, which um, it did concern me about sort of like my creative output. Like, am I going to be allowed to carry on with this? I really want to carry on with this because it is, you know, th this is my hobby. You know, we're saying like what we do, what we do away from geekdom. Well, this is kind of what I do. I'm I'm always critically sort of looking at movies. I'm always thinking about what's going on. Um, and then I'm always looking for collectibles and things like that. It's, it's kind of, that is my hobby as much as it is the underlying meaning of me. So it's kind of like, it was a bit, a bit of a worry at first, but got clearance to carry on with it on the proviso that I don't, I don't mention anything. Yeah. We'll, we'll change the subject. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I used to work in pubs for a few years. It's a strange environment that you don't really get to know people properly, but enough that everyone sort of has that weird camaraderie with the bloke who's always there, but you don't know who he is. But at the same time, he's kind of your best mate. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly like that. Exactly like that. You, you, you make friends with so many people based on the strife and struggle you go through on a daily basis, taking out a, a breakfast to a table that ends up being cold and things like that, you know, flat beer, oh Christ, uh, that kind of stuff. You all just end up banding together, even if you are, you know, you don't, you don't have the same interest or things like that. And then you will find, which is what I love so much about movies and being able to talk about movies, is you'll find those little pockets where somebody reacts to something you say or with me whenever I, I, I dish out a quote because I have a weird sort of photographic memory of quotes from all sorts of films where they just sit in my head and on random moments I'll just sprout something and then somebody who I've never talked to about movies with will turn around and go, 
is that from that film? I'll go, yeah. And then we'll have a conversation about it. It's those kind of things that, you know, I really liked about working with so many different people over the years in different pub settings. So you can spark up those random conversations and have those random moments of talking absolute rubbish about rubbish movies or really great movies. You know, similar kind of things that you'll you'll you can have with your good friends. You know, you can have those moments. I think that's why I love reviewing movies and talking movies so much is because you can have that very small, you know, meaningless conversation that might mean something, you know, further down the line. You, you'll just do something random. Like, for me, it'll just be... could even be something as innocuous as, like, quoting Jim Carrey from Liar Liar, which has happened before. And then I've sparked up a really good friendship with, you know, with, uh, with another girl on shift. And... Um, She's gone, oh, that's Liar Liar. I absolutely love that film. I've never talked to anybody about that film. And then we'll just basically quote it off to each other, you know, for hours and hours on end. You know, it's those little things like that. It can be with anyone. You can have those moments with anyone and you never know what will come of it as a result. And I think that's pretty much how I developed my friendship with um, Dan and our sort of circle of friends from our time at university together. I think the first conversation I had with Dan was that the first Michael Bay Transformers movie was okay, but it was a bit shit at the same time. And we, we kind of just sparked off talking about that and then going back to, you know, the Transformers animated movie, which I, I'd only ever seen once, but I, I remembered enough to able you know to be able to have like a full-blown conversation with him. And we were both drunk at the time. It must have been like, I recognised him from like the first day we were at uni. I went, oh, you're, you're in my class, aren't you? Yeah, okay, let's let's you know, ah, oh, Transformers are all right, yeah, it's okay. And then just carried on and it blossomed from there. And I've known him now just as long as I've known my missus and it's really weird. <laughs> That's the big thing with me. Like the way I met my missus is completely opposite to that. I'm still surprised that uh, she's put up with me through all of this uh, lightsaber collecting and things like that. But <laughs> it's just different things happen with different people, don't they? I managed to use my techniques of persuasion to um, get her to uh, watch all the Star Wars films. I got her into the Marvel films and, um, you know, we've kind of grown in our appreciation of things like that. Right away for you, she's a massive Disney fan and I grew up alongside Disney films. So we had that kind of connection. Um, but yeah, sort of all, it all grew from, you know, from those little moments of like, oh, you like Star Wars? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah, and she must have really liked me at the time because she bought me my very first lightsaber. She bought me a, a Darth Vader's lightsaber one Christmas. I think we'd only been together about two years at that point. But yeah, that was it. That was kind of like, okay, she technically put a ring on it at that point. <laughs> so yeah, I wasn't going anywhere after she bought that lightsaber. Let's put it that way. And I've reciprocated by buying her Disney traditions from Jim Shaw on the on mass every Christmas, every birthday and things like that. So it works both ways. I moved to Germany when I was about seven years old. And from about that time onwards, about nine, I can't really remember that much. But prior to that, whereas about five or six, I have really vivid, clear memories of watching Star Trek the original series with my nan. And it's bizarre because I must have been 
that age, five or six, maybe even younger, because I'd be sat on the bottom of her stairs. And the only time I did that um, was when I was, you know, very young, when my mum was out to work while she was a single parent. And um, we just used to watch it all the time. And the one clear episode that I absolutely remember watching is the episode where um, the Enterprise is stopped by a giant green hand in space. And it's basically all the all the Greek gods and Apollo is on this planet and he's basically telling them, you know, the everybody on Earth had forsaken me and I retreated here. And I can remember that massive image of Apollo, like the size of a building, just talking down to Kirk and McCoy. And I can remember that wonder that sort of just like absolute shock and confusion of what was going on on screen. And that for me, that was like the very first sort of groundbreaking thing for me in terms of, you know, my journey into loving science fiction later on, you know, and that expanding into action movies and things like that. That is the very first sort of image that I always think about because it was the, the mystery you know, the fear of like, well, I, I don't understand it. This this man's the size of a building. What's going on? And I, as far as I can remember, my nan never really explained anything. But I think she'd already watched them at that point. But it was just, you know, sitting there with her, watching while all this was going on and not understanding it, but enjoying it because it, it looked amazing. And um, again, going on from that, my introduction into full-blown science fiction movies was through watching The Undiscovered Country, Star Trek VI, with her. And, yeah, I absolutely love that film. I adore that film. And it wasn't because of the action scene at the end, you know, even though that space battle's great, where the, the bird of prey is cloaked and General Chang's giving Kirk shit. Um, it wasn't anything to do with that. It was to do with, you know, them being on that planet of Rurapente and... You know, the strife and the struggles, they're not going to get out of it. What's going to happen? How are they going to be saved? All the political intrigue, all the, you know, the the subterfuge and all the, the mystery about who it was that boarded General Chang's ship and killed the Emperor and things like that. That kind of stuff just really gripped me. And it's kind of bizarre when I think about it that as a young boy who probably should have been craving more action was like completely engrossed in the minutiae of a story, like what the characters were going through and, and the mystery, you know, and the conspiracy of what was happening in the film. I was absolutely engrossed in it. And it's, you know, it's my favourite Star Trek film because of it, because of all that and that, that connection I had with the film, watching it with my nan. And I don't think she really remembers, to be honest, which is, is quite funny. Um, I don't think she remembers watching a lot of them with me. I mean, she might do. I've never really talked to her about it, to be honest. And, and maybe I should and just say, well, thanks, because it was kind of you that made me get all this stuff behind me and things like that. But yeah, it all it all stems from that, which is quite surprising when you do look at my wall, that it all started with Star Trek, really. It wasn't Star Wars. It was, it was Star Trek. And Star Wars came that little bit later when I was 9, 10, 11 years old, you know, when my mum bought them for me on VHS one Christmas. And I didn't know what they were. I had no idea what they were until we watched them and you know my life kind of changed from that point within the space of a couple of years if I was 10 11 you know by the time I was 12 13 I had 
toys en masse. Absolutely, you know, insane amounts of toys. And the difficulty of living in Germany at the time was that a lot of the material that was released, a lot of toys that were released weren't, you know, easily accessible. So like Power Rangers and things, we all, we, I saw it late because they didn't have any transmission rights, you know, that were accessible to watch in England, in English in, uh, in Germany. You know, you could watch them in German perfectly fine, but if you didn't learn German like I didn't, because I was a petulant child and wanted to learn French, then you had a bit of a problem. So, um, so yeah, I was kind of behind on all things like that, but Star Wars, because I had them as hard copies, I'd watch them over and over and over again. Um, to the point where I think at one point I could actively recite line for line Return of the Jedi. And I probably still could if I put my mind to it. <laughs> it's not something I'm proud of, but yeah, I think I tried to do it to impress a girl once when I was about 13 and it just backfired completely. Um, that's a story I've never really told anyone about either. But there you go. There's a little bit of a secret for you. <laughs> but yeah. It it was literally an immediate sort of love affair with Star Wars because I just I I didn't understand it again. It was like the same same kind of thing. I I didn't really get it at first until that second and third watch. But what drew me back was the, the epic scale of it, that wonder, that mystery again, which had came, which had come originally from you know Star Trek and things like that. And it was just an extension of that. You know, had that little bit of more action, that little bit of more, you know, strangeness to it. Who is this man in a big black suit and a black helmet with a bright red laser sword? What is this? You know, it was that kind of thing. It was just another step into, you know, full geekdom for me. Just as an aside, how is it that you, you all ended up in Germany, your family? Uh, oh, well, um, my dad was in the British Army. So um, my mum married my stepdad and his immediate thing was like, well, we're going to move to Germany. Um, you know, I'm based over there. It makes sense. We all go together rather than, you know, you staying back in England, um, which is a bit tough. Um, Got to be honest, I never really settled while I was moving around. We moved around pretty much every 18 months um, all over Germany. I never really settled. Um, until I came back here when I was about 18. Um, so it was tough and there wasn't really a lot of opportunities to sort of express, you know, my love affair of, you know, Star Wars and things like that. I don't think I really had it, that many friends that really talked about it. It was strange. It's just that sort of army life. You don't really talk about things like that. You don't really express things like that, even as a kid in that sort of environment is basically all like, oh, we're living on a military base. We're all, we're all going to be soldiers when we're older and things like that. And that, that, that never really, that was never really me. So everything that I had in terms of my fandom was kept indoors, you know, not necessarily hidden away, but it wasn't something that I expressed with other kids or, you know, even with my parents, really, I don't think they fully appreciated until I sort of moved away and came back here and sort of started my own life. Um, I don't think they fully appreciated just how much Star Wars had meant to me. And, you know, essentially that it created, you know, the kind of person I am, the man I am, you know, it, it, it had 
it's, it sounds a bit cliche, but it had such like lasting ramifications for me as a person. Um, even like the prequels and you know, to some degree the sequels as well. It's it's been like you know that kind of thing. It's always given me something, and that's something that I want to share with my kids. I don't want them to have that sort of like fear of not being able to express themselves or things like that. You know, because of an environment. Um, so yeah, difficult, but it wasn't like painful if you know what i mean i kind of just accepted it because i didn't really know any better at the time hmm. do you think was that was possibly part of the appeal was that you were in this weird environment you kept having to move and it kind of gave you a partly an escape but also partly a constant through it all something that you could enjoy that took you out of it yeah yeah i guess it did i guess i guess it yeah yeah, I guess it was that kind of thing of like, you know, I will always have these and I can I can have these these films, these toys to hold on to, you know, and use them and go back to them when I'm feeling, you know, a bit lost or a bit insecure about going to a new school, which happened, like I said, every 18 months. It was literally a brand new school, brand new friends. And it didn't always work out, you know. Um, so, yeah. But... Um, one of the great things that I had sort of with my father was after, you know, discovery of Star Wars, I think we started to, you know, look at other science fiction movies and things like that. So I think we watched Aliens at one point, but that was a little bit after um, the very first sort of adult rated film that I'd watched. And I remember it, and this is what spawned my sort of love affair with action movies as well, is he brought home my stepfather brought home uh, Demolition Man on VHS. And um, I remember he was like, well, watch this when your mother goes out. Um, and my mum went out. I think she was, I don't know. She went, it must have been a summer holidays or something. I think she went out to work and he was like, I'm going to iron my uniform. I've got loads of iron to do with this uniform. I've got to starch it all, make it all pressed for the, for the, for the, for the bosses and everything. I was like, okay, all right. Again, it must have been, I must have been dead young. Can't have been that old, 12, 13, maybe. I can't, I can't even remember when Demolition Man came out. I think, was it 93 or something? 92, 93? Yeah. So the VHS, when it came out in Germany, must have been 95, maybe. I don't know, my time frames have gone all weird. But I remember him putting, I remember him getting, the, getting, getting it out, putting in the VHS player, and that changed everything. That was like, I think that was the next big step that next big leap from star trek to star wars to action movies was demolition man i'd never seen anything like it before and again it's still one of my favorite films now purely for that reason because i've never seen anything like it before again didn't understand what was going on but i knew exactly what i wanted to see in the future i wanted to see more stuff like this i wanted to see this kind of craziness and that they're he didn't shy away from anything that was happening in that film, my my stepfather, up until the bit where uh, Sylvester Stallone and uh, Sandra Bullock have that weird sort of cerebral sex scene, at which point he went, close your eyes and cover your ears. Went, okay, no problem. But it didn't, really, it didn't really help because obviously having very limited amount of stuff to watch on TV at that time, we didn't get Sky, um, kind of got illegal Sky a couple of years after we didn't really have anything to watch. So 
within a couple of days, I'd rewatched Demolition Man and I saw what that scene was. I was like, is this what they do? What is this? Why? What is going on? Why do they have to cover my eyes for this? All they're doing is just in a in a strobe light scene. I don't really get it. But yeah, just ah, oh, just Demolition Man, absolute magic. And that's that's from my stepfather. That you know, that's the sort of gift that he gave me was all these action movies, and they came. Everything spawned from there. Like I said, Aliens. That was the next big thing. I watched Aliens before I watched Alien. Purely because the action movie is like, oh, you like you like this action movie, didn't you? We watched Total Recall, it gave you nightmares, no problem. But we'll watch this instead, which will give you more nightmares, more extreme nightmares. Um, he just kept doing, he just kept doing that. He just kept sort of like piling and piling on these action movies, which, you know, kind of look back on and go, was that really a good idea? It kind of sent me a bit crazy. You know, I started playing, you know, really violent video games like Mortal Kombat and the Die Hard trilogy on PlayStation 1 and things like that. But, you know, it was it was done in a, in a really controlled manner. You know, like, they, they'd allow me to go and, you know, take the, D, take, the, take the VHS, you know, and watch it on my own in my room if I'd seen it before. If not, they'd go, right, okay, we're going to sit down and we'll watch this together. And then if anything comes of it, you get a bit scared about it, we can talk about it. And that's another thing that, you know... I hope that I can have that sort of like connection with, you know, my kids, you know, not try and hide them away from things, but go, okay, well, you want to watch this, we'll watch it, but we'll do it on my terms and, you know, we'll see how it goes. And, you know, if you get scared by the, the lady saying two weeks over and over again, then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll pause it and we'll, we'll move away from that. Cause that was the thing that absolutely ruined me. Everything else in Total Recall was fine. It was the two weeks lady and Arnie being underneath it. I don't know why, because it's quite, it's kind of a mild moment in the film. But it was that, I don't think I comprehended exactly what was going on. I don't think I could separate that it was, it was just a <laughs> fake head. I just couldn't deal with it. <laughs> That's how my mind works though. My mind's, my mind's always been dead weird with things like that. Is I'll, I'll be really invested in a horror movie. Uh, I won't be bothered by it. And yet the smallest thing, even not even not a jump scare, but something that will appear in the background, I'll go, no, no, I can't do it. Can't do it. I can't do it. And they've, they've only shown the murderer like coming in and knifing somebody in the face. And I'm fine with that. But if he's lurking around the back behind a tree, you know, whistling to himself, I can't deal with it. <laughs> that is good, though. Like you said, that that is a good way to deal with it with your kids because that also shows a level of respect as well. You're not just saying, no, you can't watch it because I said so. It's like, I respect you enough that I'm going to watch it with you. We will talk about it. And if you're okay with it, then you can watch it again. Yeah. 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 That is, that is literally, yeah. What I hope to be able to do uh, with my kids. And I've watched so much stuff because of it. Um, you know, like scream and things like that. I remember my my parents went out um, for a big, I think it was like a sergeant's mess do or something. And they gave me the box office code for Sky Box Office, which was a massive mistake. And I consumed about four different horror movies that night and couldn't sleep. And they, they gave me a massive telling off for it because of it. And rightly so, because I'd abused that little bit of power. But obviously... 
it was kind of a mix of two things sound like a, a simpsons thing where it's like how dare you do this but you gave me the the code yes we did and we're bad because of it you know it was kind of like that mutual sort of thing that mutual understanding and yeah i abused that power i can't remember what films i watched but god they weren't good whatever they were because i could just remember like not being able to sleep and you know crying about it and them coming home completely pissed as farts and you know like what are you doing you should be in bed oh, i can't watch this film and i can't sleep you know random things like that and you know that's kind of why i want to you know have that sort of connection with my kids so they don't do things like that so they don't you know watch something they shouldn't or you know watch something they're un unsure about and have like a negative reaction to it you know a reaction that sort of makes them feel worse about themselves or anything else that's going on even when they even now when i watch some things that i haven't watched for a few years ago bloody hell that's a lot more violent than i remember I think one of them, one of them, one of those moments was um, Tombstone with Kurt Russell, and I watched it when we first went back into lockdown, I think. Um, and it's, it's Val Kilmer and um, Michael Bean at the end of the film, and it's just really violent. What happens? And I'm like, bloody hell! I remember watching that and not being affected by it, but suddenly I'm affected by the fact that. Michael Bean's just been shot in the face, yet he's perfectly fine. You know, he's just wandering around, stumbling, and I couldn't... I was like, Christ, how did I... I was completely desensitised as a kid when I watched this. <laughs> it's had more of an effect on me as an adult than it did when I was a kid. <laughs> I'm a strange, strange man. <laughs> I get affected by the smallest things, unaffected by the biggest calamities. So you still watch all these sort of films, but Star Wars, is it fair to say, that's that still remains sort of number one in your life yeah yeah most definitely it's not i wouldn't say i wouldn't say they're all my favorite films i wouldn't i wouldn't say that but i'd certainly say that if i like not long ago a couple of weeks ago i just had a really bad day and i thought i'm just gonna put rogue one on because they all have a really bad day yet it's really you know it's quite a lovely film you know it's probably the most emotionally charged Star Wars film out of all of them, you know, for, for me anyway, because they all give everything up, you know, they all sacrifice everything. And, you know, you can get those little moments out of Star Wars, you know, with any of them that you watch, you know, you can always take something different away from each of them. Um, so, yeah, that's, they sit there as sort of like, if I'm really, really in need of, you know, just a bit of escapism or I need something enjoyable or, you know, or I'm just completely bored. I can immediately just go, nah, stick on Return of the Jedi or stick on A New Hope. And I don't necessarily watch them, you know, sat staring, you know, directly at the screen. I can just put them on and do something else around, you know, I'm tidying up. Um, when I first moved into this place with the missus, when I was sorting out this room, um, I put Empire Strikes Back on, on my, on my computer just watched in the background while I was sorting things out. It's little things like that. It's just, you know, the simplicity of probably overconsumption. <laughs> um, you know, just, just going through it. But I get I get that more than more than any other film really, you know. Even like Back to the Future and Indiana Jones, you know, all those films that I, I absolutely love. I I don't necessarily put them on, you know, times when I feel like I want to watch something 
you know, or a need to watch something. It's a bit strange. Like, um, we did it um, about, oh God, well over a year ago now. We had uh, my missus' nephew round and he'd never seen them before. So I was like, okay, let's put one on. Let's, let's, let's just dive straight in. And we put on A New Hope. And again, it was kind of like, he's about the same age that I was when I first watched them. So again, he didn't really fully comprehend what was going on, but it was a joy for me. I got something out of it and, you know, out of A New Hope, you know, in that viewing that I hadn't felt before. I was showing somebody, a young kid, something completely new. And, you know, now we talk about Star Wars all the time. Whenever he comes around here, he, you know, wants to come up and have a look at the lightsabers, even though they haven't changed. And he wants to, you know, have a look at what new figures I've got and things like that. And it's, it's that kind of thing. I've opened that door. Um, and that's, you know, that's what Star Wars can do. That's what any film can do. They can just open doors for anyone. I think that's what, you know, it's the same with any kind of fandom with comic books. I, I gave him a load of Spider-Man comics um a couple of years ago like the old ones that i had from like the mid 90s the amazing spider-man um series i can't remember the name directly dan will kill me because i told him all about them um but i gave him all of those i had about 300 copies worth you know on these you know these quite quite thick you know issues and they were it was in a heavy box as well really heavy box and i forgot how heavy it was, I was trying to pull that out of the loft when we moved it was an absolute nightmare, but he's read through all of them. He's read through all of them, and, and he's a massive Spider-Man fan now. He absolutely loves it, and, you know, that's what I'm getting out of, you know, as well as doing my movie reviews and, you know, sharing my, you know, my opinions and my, my love or my hatred of um, bad movies or things like that. I'm getting, you know, enjoyment out of, sharing those smaller moments of like giving a comic book away or you know showing um star wars you know to someone for the very first time you know i get just as much enjoyment out of that as i do sharing you know opinions about movies and action figures and things like that I'm very much an events comic person I don't really read the smaller, you know, the smaller in between issues. I like collecting the compendium compendiums of like the massive events, like Secret Wars, and um, I've got all the Alan Moore comics as well, like Watchmen and things like that. I've got all of them, and um, especially with, D with DC comics, I love the events. I love those massive events. Um, I recently read Batman Deceased and. I was completely baffled by it, absolutely baffled by it. But it didn't take me long to sort of understand what was going on, you know, where the characters are and things like that. And that's what I love about sort of like comic books in general is you don't necessarily have to have read all the individual issues from all the individual characters because when it gets to those big events like the Infinity Gauntlet, you can just dive in and understand within a couple of pages exactly what the thought processes are with the characters exactly what the what the stakes are you know where it's going to go you know obviously have massive twists and turns but you, you have a general idea of where these characters motivations lie and that's what i love about comic books because they are so accessible you know even for me who's kind of a casual reader i can just pick one up and go okay i don't know what this is about but within a couple of pages 
I know who the villain is. I know what the stakes are. That's that's what I you know that's what I love about comics. I kind of wish I had more time to sort of read individual issues, but like I said, I'm I'm quite happy just to see what people's reactions are, especially with like Invincible re- recently. I'd never really considered it. Never con- considered Invincible, and just seeing everybody's reaction to it, and then with the knowledge that the Amazon series is coming out, I was like, okay, I'll buy the first compendium. I'll just dive straight in. And coupling that with the series, geez, I'm completely blown away. Absolutely blown away. I tend to just buy them and then put them on the shelf and come to them when I get a chance. Um, I bought a couple of Darth Vader ones from a few, from a few, a couple of years ago, and I don't know whether they keep changing the canon or anything. But oh, this is going to be a rant on Disney changing canon or whatever. But geez. Um, but that's the one thing like I find with some comic books, especially when they change from New 52 into the new sort of, you know, the new lineup, I get confused. I get lost. And that's what I find frustrating about comic books is that just as I get into a groove of like, oh, I picked up this compendium, they go, oh, well, they destroyed the universe and they've moved on. And I go, oh, really? I've only just got here. It's those kind of things that kind of put me off comic books. Whereas if I was that little bit quicker, maybe I'd be able to invest that bit more into them. But yeah, for that reason, I'm I'm very content just to sort of like, okay, I've got the compendium. You've rewritten time and history and space. Almighty Disney, it's fine. I don't really mind. Um, I'll just read it when I get a chance. It's difficult talking about Star Wars and negativity. I I didn't like The Rise of Skywalker at all and I don't I don't I don't mind shying away from that. But at the same time, I don't want to be placed in that label of oh, what is it they call it now? Is it the fandom menace or something like that? Something called the fandom menace and it's it's basically just like people just bashing you know everything to do with Disney Star Wars right the way through which I don't agree with because I've like I said I've got a, a couple of the comics that I actually think are really really good um like there's a new one that's just come out it's like War of the Bounty Hunters and I that's it's ace I love Boba Fett it's great I want to see more of it and I love the Mandalorian as well um but yeah, it's it's a difficult it's a difficult line to tread because I received I, I did a review for the Last Jedi when I first watched it. I absolutely I was completely in awe of it. Um, like I loved the decisions. I loved you know what they were doing with it. I loved the you know, the just the, the sheer balls to sort of put Luke Skywalker in the position they was in. Um, Subsequently, with the release of Rise of Skywalker, my kind of opinion has gone down because they just didn't follow through with anything from that film into this film. But when I did when I did my review for it, I received um, just some horrible private messages on Facebook. This is while it was this is before I started doing the YouTube channel, and basically just like without being too crass, they were sort of like calling me just an absolute moron. 
a, a dickhead, you know, a Disney shill and things like that. And it's weird because these were people that had never interacted with the page before, never liked, and I don't really have that many likes on the page as it is. So I don't know how they sort of came across it, but as quickly as they appeared, they're the sort of like the links to their profiles had vanished. There was no way to sort of, you know, counteract with them or anything like that. And obviously me being me, I just blocked them immediately. And then when I came to it, I was like, well, I can't access who they are to try and, you know, you know, complain about them and things like that. And, you know, that's kind of like, that's me being positive about the film. It's like they're almost, people are almost wanting to be negative for the sake of being negative which I think is a detriment to, you know, having an honest discourse about, you know, how a film is, whether you like it or dislike it, which is what I always try to do. I may not like a lot of films and it may seem like a lot of my sort of like opinions are like, oh, he's just being negative because he's being, you know, because he wants the attention. Well, no, I'm trying to give you an honest opinion. I want you to share that discourse with me so that we can talk about it. So we can, you know, sit down and say, you know, why, why, why do you like it? That's what I crave more than anything. So it's it was shocking for me to get those, that sort of reaction from, from nowhere, from absolutely nowhere. And you know, I've never really had anything since like that. I've had the odd couple of comments, you know, saying, oh, your intro video is too long. I'm like, mate, it's 25 seconds long. Can you not just deal with it? Come on, you can skip. 10 seconds if you want it's not going to affect me that much because i don't really care about the analytics of how long you watch a video for just i'm happy you're just here <laughs> please just tell me what you think of the film not the intro video you know but it's i don't know it's it's a touchy subject at the minute because there's constantly constantly news and non-news about star wars like oh kathleen kennedy's gonna get fired well no how do you know? And those rumours tend to feed in. Things like that tend to feed into the overall perception of the films as opposed to the actual, is the film any good? So when I talked about like not liking The Rise of Skywalker, I, I looked at it as sort of like the film as it is. You know, there's several moments that just don't work for me. The characters, they don't really do anything. Finn is utterly wasted and things like that. That's the That's the discourse I want to have, not not the other stuff that feeds in from rumours rumors mill Tennessee and places like that, you know. It's really, really difficult. I think in that regard, they got lucky with The Mandalorian purely because it was quite an open, you know, an open and accessible show. It had a lovable character that was easily sellable. You know, I'm not going to shy away from that. Grogu is the greatest ever promotional device that you've ever seen. But it worked, and what we got on top of that was a solid foundation of a story. We got a solid character, a mysterious character. It's very much, you know, like an old Western kind of film, and I think that sort of saved some of the the blushes of Disney about being overwhelmed by this absurd negativity, you know, and rumours about what's happening, you know, behind the scenes. But the only problem is, is that even in the success you can see that there's still like snowballing of, oh, well, the success means that John Favreau or Dave Filoni is going to take over and, you know, it's all going to go. And you're like, oh, just please stop. Just can you not just enjoy the piece as it is? Can you not just sit back and 
enjoy it as it is. Yeah, okay, there's a few moments that don't really work, but you get that with everything. You get that with everything. Every medium, there's something that doesn't really work at one point in time. It doesn't mean somebody's going to get fired. But then any form of controversy, sort of like, you know, with Gina Carano, it's like it's like a match on a dry field. It just brings it back up again. And I think that's the problem with, with Star Wars at the minute is that it needs to come out of the light a little bit, I think, for a little while. But obviously they're not going to. I think they're just pressing right ahead and they've put full steam on. They're kind of just doing what the Titanic should have done and just heading straight for the iceberg head on and hoping that they'll just plough straight through it and that DiCaprio won't sink. But, yeah, it's it's a, it's a shame for me because I obviously I wear my love of Star Wars on my chest. It's it's pretty much tattooed all over me without, you know, there actually being a physical tattoo. And, you know, even in my disappointment, I still want to embrace it and share it with people. And I, I'm worried that my, like my own criticisms of it will label me as something that I'm not, which is, oh, he's just another fanboy going off on his, you know, on his medieval style rant. You know, he's one of them. I'm not. I'm trying to look at it in a critical eye, which is what I think everyone should do. They should, you know, stay away from rumours. They do nothing but harm and just focus on the here and now. Isn't that a quote? Pretty sure that's a, a quote from one of the characters in Star Wars, but yeah, I'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> Accidentally quoting them as well. <laughs> yeah, keep your concentration here and now, where it belongs, Obi Wan. <laughs> that leads directly into the next question I was going to ask. Generally, in life, do you think people treat you differently when they sort of find out the things you're into? Well, like Star Wars and comics, do you, do they look at you in a slightly different light? Um, if they do, they do think of me or look at me differently because of what I enjoy, then nobody's ever really said it to my face. Like I was saying, when I was a kid, I tried to hide it and everything um, because I didn't, I, I don't know whether that was just, you know, basic trust or just, you know, wanting to keep something for myself. But I don't tend to hide away or shy away from it anymore. So... I think it's just the sheer fact that I'm so open and confident about it. Like I've been doing Zoom sessions for my current job as part of training. So pretty much I'm on Zoom all the time in this kind of setup that we've got here where you can see me and everything. And and one of the trainers who's this is this, you know, this, this big guy and immediately went, Are those lightsabers on the back of your wall there, Andrew? And I was like, Yeah, yeah, they are and he went Excellent, excellent. And he's been referring to me as Qui-Gon Andrew ever since. And, you know, I think I think in terms of like the wider sort of perception of fandom and, you know, being a geek, I think it's it's much more a mainstream thing now. Because you can be a geek, you can be a fan, you can be part of a fandom on of anything. You can be a, you know, a technology geek, you can be an engineering geek, you know, you can have those you know, you can even have beer geeks. I think there's, there's a guy and I know who who basically knows everything about every beer going, and he refers to himself as a beer geek. You know, which is something entirely new, as far as I'm aware. But it's that sort of like you know, geek means it's to me it means like being able to express everything, 
and you know people if people want to talk to me about it and join in brilliant you know i've never had anyone sort of go oh yeah you're an, you're an absolute geek you you know what's the point and all that because i just you know if anybody has that kind of thing i'd be like well you you uh, you're a football geek aren't you isn't it the same thing you know don't you go and watch united play every weekend and you know that makes you a geek because you're doing that more often than i'm doing this you know like i said it's like of course i have my solid love and foundation of star wars but what i enjoy like i said before is like if somebody goes ah oh, you're a star wars geek and i go well what, what do you like and they go, oh, well, I'm into Fast and Furious movies, me, pal. And I'll go, you know what? I I actually really enjoy them. I watch them, you know, I, have, I don't watch them all the time. But whenever I have watched them, I've always watched them in a very popcorn-y sort of way. You know, utterly ridiculous. Does that? And I, will, I have struck up that kind of conversation where I've been talking to somebody about Fast and Furious movies. And I've gone, what about that one where, on you know, they're on the on the runway and that airplane's going down this runway? And they're basically there for 10 minutes going down this runway. Do you know how long that runway would have to be? You'd be like, no, what are you on about? It has to be 37.5 miles, mate. All right. And then we have that, I have that sort of, I've broken the ice then of, you know, you know, he may not be a geek, but he's not going to see me as in, you know, in a negative light or anything like that because I've broken through and I've gone, well, I found out what you like. And I like being able to talk all things movies and everybody likes movies, let's be honest. And I guarantee anybody I talk to, I will have seen a movie that they like and I'll be able to talk to them about it. That's sort of like my outlook on it. And that's what I wanted to sort of bring with everything I do on YouTube and everything I do when I'm talking to people is like have this, you know, this base conversation about something so simple as celluloid, um, whether it's negative, you know, negatively or not. You know, it's having that that conversation. That's what it means to be sort of like breaking through that barrier of, oh, you're just a geek. Well, what do you like? Yeah, that that kind of that kind of conversation, rather than sort of you know going on the defensive, turn it around back on them and see what they do. See how uncomfortable they get dead easy when they realise that Fast and Furious doesn't make any sense. <laughs> But I do love them. I just want to point that out. I do, I do love them. I may not be a massive fan, but I, oh God, you've got to love them, really, haven't you? Because they're just utter shite. <laughs> that is me. That is angry at me. You can hear more from Andy on his YouTube channel. Angry Andy Reviews. You can contact Andy on Twitter at Andy underscore review or Instagram angry underscore Andy 1138 where you can also see his collectibles photography. All links available in the show notes.
Geek is a Super Dummy production for Fantastic Universes. Find out more at fantasticuniverses.com and superdummy.co.uk slash geek. You can contact the show on Twitter at Era of Geek or by email geek at superdummy.co.uk. You can support the show and Fantastic Universes by joining our Patreon, patreon.com slash fantasticuniverses. 